So tonight is our weekly session of practicing, developing the Brahma-vihara of metta, or loving-kindness. And the fact that we just do this once a week does in no way reflect on the value that we, certainly I, feel this practice has. It's an incredibly important and uh, beautiful complement to the mindfulness practice and to find a way for yourself to weave these two together, to incorporate the quality and the practice of metta into your time here, I think would be very valuable for you. So please don't confine your metta practice to just this 45 minutes. Perhaps say more at the end about broadening your understanding and inclusion of this practice. And I'm sure, I think most of you probably know, and Greg probably talked about the fact that this is a systematic practice where you go through these different categories of being, beginning where hopefully or supposedly it's easiest and and most dear uh, with oneself, and then to the benefactor, hopefully someone you can easily open your heart to, moving on to the friend, the dear friend category, and then neutral, difficult, all beings. And especially if you're doing this practice formally in an intensive metta retreat or doing it for concentration, it's very helpful to stay with that kind of systematic development. There's a real power to that. There's a wisdom in it. There's a steadiness to that that is very supportive of the deepening of the metta. But as we're doing it here in this retreat, really as a complement, as a support to the mindfulness practice, you can be much more intuitive about how the metta practice unfolds for you. Tonight we'll continue the sequence, so excuse me, we'll work with the dear friend uh, category. But if you want to spend more time for your, with yourself, I think that's a, a wonderful way to deepen the metta. You can never do too much metta for yourself. Uh, If you ever have a thought that maybe that's selfish or you should be uh, spreading it out, please know that if you can really and deeply develop metta for yourself, it will be spread out. It will have an impact on your relationship and your capacity to open your heart to others. So creating that foundation of metta for self and kindness, really very helpful. So even as I move on this evening, please trust yourself if you want to just stay with metta for yourself. Metta is this beautiful quality that's usually translated as loving kindness. Um, And I love that whoever came up with that translation put the word kindness in there, because if we just simply think of it as love, that's a very charged word for, for most of us, certainly here in the West. And we think it, it, you know, it has to be some exalted experience, some pure experience, some ecstatic kind of experience. And metta at its heart isn't pointing towards that. Another literal translation that I've heard of metta is goodwill. It's just basic friendliness, simple kindness. It's at its root, metta is acceptance. Metta is accepting our inner experience, accepting ourselves, and certainly accepting others. So when we develop this practice, it's really helpful to have that kind of range of understanding of what we're cultivating. 
You know, if we're waiting until the heart is just open and glowing and all beings are held unconditionally in love, great if that happens, but sometimes we can be waiting a long time for that and judging ourselves for, for not moving immediately into that space as though there's some kind of meta switch we should be able to turn on and we say a few phrases and the heart should open. I mean, I'm sure you know that it's not that way. It's actually a difficult practice. It's a purification practice. And whatever for us is an obstacle to the wishes that we're generating, these aspirations of metta, sooner or later will come up. I spoke last night about the past life review. Um, This is definitely the field in which metta works. What's obstructing the heart from opening? What's the sense of limitation or barrier to uh, an ability to be open and caring? particularly towards ourselves, but certainly towards others as well. So we do this practice with a kind, somehow the word ferocity came, I don't know, that's not quite the right word, but some kind of willingness to go through what this practice might bring up for us, especially if we do it with some intensity, perhaps 45 minutes once a week may not get you to that edge of uh, intensity. But those of you that have done it in a more uh, deliberate way will know, you know the challenges of coming back again and again to wishing for happiness, wishing for safety and ease. And so there's a whole development that happens in this practice when you do it in an intensive way. But really important to begin with the understanding of, it, of what it is in its simplicity. It's just kindness. It's just wishing well. It's basically kind of looking around saying, how are you doing? Hope you're okay. Hope things are good for you. In the gentlest kind of way. And to be able to do that for ourselves, to kind of check in and just have this sense of caring, of well-wishing towards ourselves. I mean, sometimes it's, it's life-changing. To, to actually feel that possibility, to go from a sense of always a slightly critical stance, not quite good enough, always, you know, something needs improving, to just saying, right here, it's okay. And I used that line last night, just some fundamental okayness. This is what this practice is pointing to, that we can actually cultivate and incline the mind and heart towards that. You know, it's not something that you either have or don't have, or maybe you'll have in five years or ten years if you, you know, get rid of that habit and improve this aspect of your life. But actually here and now, some sense of kindness or acceptance. And that it's possible to train in that, to incline the mind and heart. And this for me was one of the revelations in this practice, is I didn't just have to wallow in my sense of lack of self-worth. I could actually cultivate a a caring and a kindness. And it wasn't easy. I had a lot of struggles in this practice, but it was really um, changed my practice, and I could even say changed my life to, to do this practice intensively. So... When we begin, we as we do, we just say the phrases, and sometimes there's a heartfulness to them, and sometimes there just isn't. You know, as I said, there's no meta switch, so we're we're just right where we are. The classic image is we're planting seeds. 
not to judge the practice, we don't know when they'll flower, but filling the mind with these kind of thoughts has got to be better than sitting here with aversion and mistrust and ill will. So it's like even if there's not a great deal of heartfulness in it, it's, it's a skillful way to use the mind, to direct the mind. So keeping the practice really simple, keeping it really in the moment, not some idea of how it should be, but some recognition of, of the direct experience in the way we're doing the practice. I always say you've got to do metta with metta. You know, if Ajahn Sumedha would talk about using metta as though it was a, you know, like a big club, but it's got metta written on it. It's like that part of my life, metta, and you, you know. The office always says the notes that are the most critical, they're always signed metta, you know, <laughs> metta. It's not, it's not a weapon that we use to get rid of what we don't like. It really is a coming into some kind of alignment with the way things are, but bringing kindness and acceptance to that. So this is, this is where we begin. So as you do this practice, I think it's always helpful to have it really based in the body. Metta can feel like a kind of mental exercise in the repetition of the phrases. And that, you know, we, do, we are training the mind, that's an important part of it. But really helpful to have it grounded in the body so we stay in our experience and in the present moment. So just as we do in a mindfulness meditation, dropping your attention into the body. You know, just feeling your body sitting here. How is the body right now? Can you bring a sense of relaxation and ease into your experience of the body? And consciously inviting relaxation, shifting the posture if you need to do that to get more comfortable, doing a body scan so that you can actually relax any places that feel tight or tense. So that the practice begins from a sense of connectedness to your experience right now. And then some people find it helpful as a focus for the metta practice to rest the attention in the center of the chest, the area of the heart. Noticing whatever sensations are present there. Perhaps there's emotional response, perhaps not. Not looking to make anything happen or push anything away, but just as a place to rest the attention can notice the breathing moving in and out of that area of the heart. Perhaps even feel the heart and it's pulsing, it's life. And when you get lost in the practice, that can be a place to come back to. Sometimes you can even, in the practice, bring all the aspects of it together. The phrases seem to be coming out of the heart, the heart center. Some people find it really helpful actually to rest their hand on the heart and just feel that tenderness or tenderness or warmth, that softness that comes as we make this gesture of touching our chest, our heart, with softness and kindness. It can help us connect more easily to the body, to this moment, to ourselves. So again, if it works for you, you can try that 
for a few moments or the whole time. It's traditional to begin the practice of metta by reflecting on the good qualities of the person that you're sending metta to. So we begin with ourselves. The idea or the intention is that this should be an easy place to bring metta to. But for many of us, we have a sense of deficiency or unworthiness, and it can actually be quite difficult to wholeheartedly wish ourselves well. But just reflect for a moment on the sincerity of your intention in coming to practice here for six weeks or three months. This is a huge amount of goodness and integrity and trust and faith and a wish, an interest, a love of waking up, of kindness, of wisdom. These are some of the best qualities that any human being can manifest. So just acknowledging that, just the fact that you're sitting here expresses that. And out of that sense of appreciation for your willingness to do this work, begin to say the phrases of metta for yourself. Perhaps with a hand on your heart if that's helpful, or just feeling into the heart center. May I be safe and protected from harm. May I be happy and contented. May I be healthy in body and mind. May I live with the ease of well-being. saying the phrases at a pace that allows you to connect with the meaning of the words. I find it helpful to actually integrate them with the breath. So again, you can see if that's helpful. Something like being silent on the in-breath, saying a phrase on the out-breath, or saying a phrase over the whole in-breath and out-breath. But the next in-breath and out-breath, just silent sitting in kind of the echo, the resonance with the wish you've just made. There's a sense of care in the way you actually say the phrases. Sometimes with metta for oneself, a phrase that I find really helpful is just, may I love and accept myself just as I am. Just to say that one phrase even if you don't mean it, has a power to change the attitude, change the mind, change the heart. Just sitting with, practicing with metta for yourself, a sense of yourself as you sit here, a visual image of yourself, now or in some place where you're happy or at ease, or perhaps an image of yourself as a young child, when you felt this openness of metta, felt loved, or perhaps at a time when you didn't feel cared for, loved and accepted, and can somehow bring that young child into your heart 
and share the wish for happiness and ease right now with this being, your younger self.
And now if you feel ready or wish to bring in the person who you chose in the category of benefactor, this is someone who inspires you, who supported you, who has helped you in your life in some way, could be someone you know, might be someone whose books you've read, or a teacher you've only heard their voice. But when you think of this person, your heart naturally opens in appreciation and affection. So taking a moment to connect with them, your sense of them, an image if you have it, someone that you know, perhaps imagining their being, imagining them in a place where they're happy and at ease, feeling into their good qualities. Often we find in the benefactor that they manifest qualities we ourselves would like to strengthen. So we kind of feel that resonance with them, that sense of appreciation, affection, respect, caring. Sometimes, though, the benefactor is a young child, and it's just their sense of love and wonder and gentleness that inspires us. For some people, it's their dog or their cat, some representation of unconditional love. Whoever this being is, just connecting with them, saying their name, getting a sense of them, and beginning to say the same phrases of metta to this person. May you be safe. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you live with ease.
And lastly, again, if you feel ready to open up the field of the metta, bringing in someone in the category of dear friend, maybe someone you usually use in your metta practice, perhaps you want to include someone new, different. Perhaps there are many people who might be in this category for you. But just as in the other categories, we choose just one person not to be making preferences, this is my best friend, BFF, but that this is just someone who represents this quality of caring in you and you want to spend this time with. So choosing this person, and again, the same process, just reflecting on why they're your friend, what you appreciate about them, their sense of humor, their compassion, their kindness, their willingness to help, their generosity, their quick wit, their artistic ability or energy. So we start the metta from that place of connecting with appreciation and affection. Every time we bring a new person in, it's really natural that a flood of memories, associations come in. The practice is not needing to push those away, actually use them to get this sense of connection, not get lost in the story. We just need one image, one memory, one, one thought to help us connect with this person. So it's a little dance that we do at the beginning of acknowledging the interrelationship, the connections with this person, but mostly putting that aside and just seeing if we can settle into the feeling of connection, of friendliness, of kindness. And of course, with the dear friend, it can get a little more complicated. Perhaps, you know, they're mainly a good friend, you do love them dearly, but they've hurt you at times or been neglectful. Again, we don't ignore that, but it's not what we dwell on. And this is the training that's so important in metta. We don't deny where there's difficulty, but for this time we choose, deliberately incline the mind towards what's good and lovable about this person. And we keep coming back to that. And it's a powerful mind training to be able to do that again and again. So we come back to caring. So out of the connection, a visual image or felt sense, the sound of their voice. If you have a visual image, imagine them smiling at you. Perhaps their eyes are twinkling a little, you've shared a joke as you often do. Imagine them in a place where they're happy, at ease. Perhaps they're sitting right next to you, walking together, holding hands. Whatever helps you feel that immediacy of connection. Say their name. And then out of that sense of connection and caring, begin to express same wishes for happiness and ease to this person.
So I think it's really helpful if you feel it is for you to do some more periods of metta. I think at least one other formal period of metta every day. Again, if this practice connects for you to do a sitting and or a walking period where you can just have the practice unfold um, in your own rhythm, to to paying attention, directing it to wherever it feels most beneficial. Just really helpful. It, It invites this warm attitude towards oneself and experience. But it's also a concentration practice. So just staying with the phrases in a steady way actually really is a good training of the mind. So pleased to include that. And it's wonderful that every evening uh, you're finishing the day with, well, that sitting anyway. You might stay up later than that. But chanting the Karaniya Metta Sutta. So just to have that woven through the day so to use metta as a formal practice, to do it um, for sitting or walking, whatever. It can also be a great and helpful response when we find we're stuck in some way, some kind of difficulty, the mind is struggling, perhaps there's some aversion going on. Metta is the antidote to aversion. It said that metta and aversion cannot coexist at the same time. You might find yourself flipping back and forth really quickly, but it said that in the same moment they they kind of coexist. So, you know, again, if you find yourself with some irritation or anger, perhaps it's to someone here, to invite the metta in can really help to balance and and, uh, soothe that tendency of mind. And our first impulse is nearly always to do metta for the other person if we're in conflict in a way. Uh, And that's a good impulse, but actually where it's really needed is here. You know, so don't forget that's actually the most important place to keep connecting with metta for self and have that be the foundation out of which the rest of the practice develops. Do you have any questions about the metta practice and including it here on a mindfulness retreat? And it's a little dark in here, so. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.